Hey, what's up? My name's Alex. Welcome to my podcast, Alex Listens. This is the place where I talk about things like philosophy and politics and psychology and depression and um, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, so, hey, if you're new, hi. I hope I, um, I hope, I hope this is, I hope you like this. If you're not new, um, thanks for being not new. That's a real, that's a real treat. Um, yeah, so very briefly, um, if you want to know a bit more about me, you can go on my website alex.co and there there's an about page and a picture of me leaning on a wall in london's east um i lived there on i lived leaning against the wall for nine months um but yeah um if you're enjoying the podcast um i don't have ads and so i ask that you reflect on your financial capacity to become a patron of sorts. So like if you're enjoying the podcast and um, you want to support it and you want it to keep going, support me on Patreon um, because yeah, I think I'm not saying this out of self-interest because I also need to reflect on the way I engage with creatives and their work, but I think we really ought to rethink the way we use money. Um, And yeah, free writing is by all means permissible. Um, I would never make money i would never want money to feature in your decision making for engaging or not engaging with the podcast um but yeah i guess it's a um you know it's a weird world it's really weird when you mix your projects with um money and you know you need to spend a lot of time on them and stuff but yeah um okay so now that is aside um yeah otherwise you know there are other ways you can support the podcast by like telling your friends or um, I don't know. Oh, I have a YouTube channel actually. And I guess I should announce that. If you didn't know, I have a YouTube channel. You should go and watch. <laughs> you should, oh, no. <laughs> I guess I have two different things on the YouTube channel. I have like some videos explaining things. Like I had this video on free will called free will in seven minutes. And I actually think it's pretty cool. Um, and this episode is on free will and morality and moral responsibility. And I guess if you don't know much about that kind of stuff, you should go and watch the video because seriously, I think in seven minutes, um, I did a pretty good job of kind of, uh, distilling everything that you need to know about free will into, um, I don't know, an accessible form. And you also get to see my face and, um, I don't know, it looks pretty funny. So yeah. Um, Okay, that's probably enough. Uh, So yeah, today, I guess, I spoke about free will and morality, which I said before. Um, And what exactly, what exactly do I talk about? Um, I talk about, yeah, I guess, so one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently, and that's why it's featured in some of the episodes that I've done and some of the videos that I've made. Um, By the way, my YouTube channel is obviously called Alex Listens. Um, because you know, that is the only thing that is important about me and the only manifestation of my personality. Um, but yeah, anyway, I've been thinking a lot about free will, um, whether we have it, what form it takes. Um, and yeah, I guess I reached, I reached a point, strange point where I was like, it seems like there are, there are a lot of things that aren't within our control. Um, and then I, you know, um, I thought about the consequences of that, both practically and morally. Um, and that's why, that's why I made this episode. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, what does it mean? What really, to what extent are we free? Um, is it true? Like people like Sam Harris who say that free will is an illusion. What the hell does that even mean? 
Um, and yeah, that's what I talk about. So enjoy, enjoy the episode. Yeah. Bye. So how long can I keep doing this shit? Yeah. Live forever, that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling. So, free will and morality. Where to begin? Um, I guess I will first begin by just articulating the conclusion that I've reached in my previous discussions of free will. Um, so I am somewhat subscribed to Sam Harris's view of free will um, in that it exists as an illusion. Um, and what does that what does that even mean? Um, well, I guess long story short, it means that we don't really have the kind of control or dominion over our conscious thoughts um, that we might think we do. So, for example, in meditation and mindfulness, um, one practice that people do is, you know, they try and pay attention to the directionality of their thoughts. Where did they, uh, where is their point of origin? Where is their point of conclusion? Um, and that is a very difficult thing to do. It's very difficult, one, to be able to pay attention to those things, and two, to actually, I mean, in my experience, I haven't, and I don't know of anyone who has been able to identify the precise point of origin and the precise point of conclusion of their thoughts. Um, and I guess while, you know, you might say, okay, yeah, whatever, that goes without saying, there is, the implication is that if we don't have control of um, the origin of our thoughts, we aren't consciously generating them. Um, and so our consciousness, I've also done a podcast episode and video on consciousness, which you can either watch or listen to, will be somewhere, somewhere on my discography, if I'm allowed to call it that. Um, yeah, our our conscious experience is informed by these thoughts as well as, you know, sensory input, um, light, touch, taste, smell, whatever. It's informed by all of these things, um, many of which we have very little control, um, especially our thoughts. As I said, we don't, we don't have mastery over our, over the origin of our thoughts. Um, I guess, you know, once they have emerged, we can try to grapple with them. But even then, why do we grapple with them in any particular way? Um, why do I have a preference for um, progressive politics? Why am I interested in philosophy? Um, why do I prefer bananas to apples? In fact, why do I prefer bananas to most foods? Um, to most food. Um, yeah, these are these are unanswerable questions and they are unanswerable because they draw on or the, what is required in order to answer them is a drawing upon of an area of our psychology that we don't have access to, which is the psychology of preferences and desires and motivations. Um, and when I say we don't have access to them, I mean... We have, we have a certain amount of access. Um, you know, we can, I, I said this in my last, I think it's the 39th episode of my podcast. Um, we have 
we have some control over our preferences. So the example I give is like a lot of my friends um, drink beer. I don't. I hate beer. Um, And many of them were in a similar position to me in terms of their resentment of beer. But, you know, they pushed through. They kept drinking. um, And eventually they developed an acquired taste. And that concept, acquiring a taste for something, is essentially... um, well, I guess maybe maybe it can be interpreted as a a way of controlling our conscious experience of things, but you know it's future oriented. So we're drinking <laughs> drinking beer in the present to make it such that your future conscious experience of beer is more pleasant because it is something that you have I don't know become more something that you've become used to, or um, it's something that you associate with familiar activities like i don't know seeing friends or um i don't know i don't really know yeah i guess um yeah um so what does it mean what does it mean oh well i guess i haven't i haven't very clearly articulated the point about what it means for free will to be an illusion and that word is so nice illusion um what does it mean for free will to be an illusion and and how does that actually impact our morality and i guess that's the focus of this video this episode um so yeah as as an illusion free will is something over which we don't have profound control so as i said Our thoughts, for example, just materialize and then they kind of vanish. Um, Our preferences are mostly predetermined. Um, And I I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that many of our preferences are are kind of just, I don't know, crudely given to us. Not by, maybe, you know, our parents have some influence over that. But, you know, a lot of it is socialized. Um, A lot of it is biological. Um, and a lot of it is very difficult to change. As I said before, with the beer example, you know, that is an example of, um, what would it be called? Like, uh, like, you know, Pavlov's dog conditioning, classical conditioning. Maybe it's like that, like associating a certain behavior with something else. So associating a behavior with a pleasant experience. So then that behavior becomes... A more pleasant one or one that we think of more positively pavlov's dog um just for those of you who don't know is the um i don't know famous psychological experiment to demonstrate that animals maybe also humans i'm not sure what the link between pavlov's dog and humans are um because i guess the experiment was done on a dog but you know you you give the dog food you ring a bell and you give the dog food um and the dog salivates because it's about to eat. And the dog associates the ringing of the bell with food. Um, you keep doing that. You ring the bell, give the dog food. Um, the dog salivates, it eats the food. And then you ring the bell and the dog salivates. But you haven't given it food. And, you know, the dog has been conditioned to associate the ringing of the bell with some, you know, metabolic physiological experience of digestion or of consumption or of satiating hunger or something um yeah maybe i butchered that but maybe that was a sufficient (laughs) 
uh, definition of the experiment. Um, so yeah, can, it, it appears as though we have some capacity to um, kind of critically reconfigure our preferences. But I guess for me, the concern is if, our, if most of our preferences are already determined, how, how free, like what does it even mean for me to say that I am me? Um, and like, what on earth, what on earth does that mean, right? Um, but I guess my concern is that if the sense of self is illusory, if the idea of a me, of some of this, like this, this body, this face, this voice existing, if that is illusory, surely that has consequences for my, for my behavior, for my, sure, surely it does, because I guess there are, and there are a number of potential ways in which we can think about this. So I guess one thing that is very important to think about is the relationship between moral responsibility and free will. Um, and no good legal system, no good punitive legal system will say that (laughs) we are not, that no one is responsible for their behavior. And so no one ought to be punished. Presumably that, well, there are a number of reasons why behavior is punished. Um, if you look at the, somewhere in the Australian criminal code or whatever, um, there are, you know, the, the reasons why, uh, behavior is punished, you know, to prevent recidivism. So to prevent people repeat offending, um, to, uh, to, to show that this, what's the word I've forgotten to, um, convince people that this isn't the kind of behavior that you're doing, um, to provide some kind of retribution so that families or people who feel like they have been hard done by aren't taking to the streets and, you know, taking, being vigilantes and taking the law into their own hands. Um, but yeah, there are like a legal system, a punitive legal system has to be sophisticated, right? It has to take into account free will. And it does. It does because if I, if you do something bad to me, um, I'm, I'm entitled to, to assume that it was, it was you that did that. It wasn't a brain over which you had no control. Um, because if, if you, if, if Sam Harris is correct, or if we take a really conservative reading of Sam Harris's view, which I said before, the view that our brain is productive, there are all of these neurons, neurotransmitters, hormones, whatever, all of these things fire and, you know, work together. And according to Heisenberg, um, not from Breaking Bad, the biologist, according to Heisenberg, many of these things happen at random. So a lot of, a lot of the ways in which we engage with the world or the ways that they are interpreted are happening somewhat at random. Um, or, you know, not at random, but like, uh, they, like when, when I look into the camera and light enters my eyes, I'm not consciously processing the photons. Like there are cones and rods at the back of my eye in my like retina or whatever that are like transducing the signal into certain things. And then I don't know, there's various parts of my brain, but that's not conscious, right? 
Um, so the question is, where does, where, when I say you have done something wrong, like if I feel wronged and I say you have done something wrong, what do I mean when I say you? Um, obviously it's probably not right for me to, when I say you to assume that I'm talking to the you at the unconscious level of kind of automated or random, um, behavior or no, sorry, random kind of physiological pathways and stuff. That's not the you that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the you that exists as, I don't know, a basic biological foundation with scaffolding and things in place to respond to the world in a particular way. What I mean by that is when I say you have done something wrong, I don't mean the you that is automated or the you that isn't in your control, but it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to define. It's so hard to identify and define the you that is in control. Um, because there's that experiment that I've turned to many times in this podcast and in a number of my videos, um, the experiment that um, that researchers were able to show with, or able to predict with 80% accuracy up to 10 seconds before. So that's a poor way of explaining it. Um, uh, subjects in the experiment were given two options, I don't know, A and B, and they were supposed to report, they were supposed to, I don't know, signal, ah, um, 10 seconds. Oh no, they were supposed to signal at the point at which they had consciously made a decision which option they were going to choose, A or B. So imagine you're looking at A, B, whatever, coffee, tea, and you say, okay, I've decided I want to drink coffee. Um, And the researchers were able to predict with 80% accuracy up to 10 seconds before people had consciously reported making a decision, which option they were going to choose by looking at people's brains. Now, I don't really know what, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't read functional, what is it? Functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI. I think that's what it stands for. I don't know how to read those kind of brain scans, but presumably they're doing the right, like, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm interpreting this study in good faith. I don't believe that, like I have, I have, I have faith in the scientific method and empirically, empirically proven or tested things. You know, I'm going to enter into believing that in good faith that, you know, the experiment was conducted properly. So if we, if we, if we enter into that experiment, if we interpret that experiment in good faith, we should walk away with that, with a challenge to our concept of free will, which is that the challenge is that there's obviously something else deciding. Maybe it's just for binary or basic, very basic decisions. There is something else which decides for us and that informs our conscious experience. And so that is the sense in which free will is an illusion because really it's not us. It's not me who is totally free to make a decision. There are a multitude of factors which are influencing that and they are generative of a particular kind of conscious experience, which gives me the feeling that I am making decisions. Um, And that is the sense in which free will is an illusion. Um, It's an illusion because there is this weird interface between, mm, I guess, determined determined things and freely chosen things. Um, and it, and maybe it's even incorrect to say that anything is freely chosen because really (laughs) 
I guess it isn't. I don't believe that there is... I, I seriously, I don't believe that there is anything that we can decide that is totally free of influences that are outside of our control. I don't believe there is one decision we make in our entire life that is totally free. Um, because, yeah, just like the person I am now who makes decisions is a person who has also been raised by parents who have, well, by parent, because you know, my mom raised me, um, by a parent who has particular a particular way of thinking about the world. And, you know, my mom projected as parents do, they project their, you know, their understanding of the world onto their kids. You give your children a framework for interpreting things. Some parents do it better than others. Um, I think my mom did a reasonable job. Um, but yeah, I, it would be totally unreasonable for me to say that I'm free from that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not. My mom and I are different people. Um, we have different opinions. Um, we have very, very different interests, but you know, I am her son. I received like, I, yeah, I am comprised of her genes. Um, and, and her opinions and, you know, that is inescapable. There is history. There is history, which is inescapable. And then there is, you know, the whole nature nurture debate. There's nature and then there's society and constructed things. Um, and yeah, I live in a society. I live around other people. I have to behave in a way that accords with, um, I don't, I guess I don't have to, but I choose. Ah, there we go. Did I choose? Whatever. Um, I, I choose, I guess I have the illusion of choosing to behave in accordance with, I beha I behave in a way that is supportive of, um, you know, people behaving in a way that is supportive of me. So, I mean, I don't go outside trying to sabotage the lives of others. Um, I go outside, I don't know, the way that like, and I, I don't like to use the word normal because, you know, we need to, we need to be very careful when using that word because, you know, normativity is, I feel like the word normal has been jeopardized by its overuse. Oh, well, the actual definition of it. But yeah, I guess I, I try and behave in a way that is respectful of others. Um, and yeah, like I do that because I believe that is how we ought to behave. Um, and that is the sense in which I have been socialized in a particular way. Um, yeah, that is my preference. That is like, obviously, you know, what does respect mean? I'm not going to go into that now, but like, yeah, I'm not going to go like, I, I, I don't want racism in society. For example, I don't want people to be, um, subjugated for the color of their skin or, um, you know, where their parents are from or, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. So, um, but you know, I guess that that's a bit, that's irrelevant for now, but the point is, I, yeah, I'm socialized, whatever. I think I went a bit too deep there. Well, went on a weird tangent. Um, okay. So the question that I was trying to answer was like, what, when I say that you, so let's say you come and kick me in the shin so hard, like so, so hard, right? 
um, like you either kick me through the podcast or you kick me through YouTube or something. And I'm in agony, right? My shin bruised, bleeding, whatever. And I'm like, well, fuck you. Like, why? And, oh, well, I'm like, well, fuck you. You know, that like, that was a bad thing to do. Um, And then, you know, the next thing, oh, well, one of the things you do, (laughs) I guess, like, let's say I decide to take you to court. Um, One of the things, one of the questions that I guess people need to think about, and I guess the Australian legal system thinks about this is, there are two components of uh, a crime, crime inverted commas, the actus reus and the mens rea. And they refer to the actus reus is the guilty act and the mens rea is the guilty mind. Um, so the guilty act, you kicked me in the shins. Yes, whatever, you did that. Guilty mind, um, were you, did you intend to do that? Or was it an accident? So were you running down the street and then I, you didn't see me and then I got in your way and that was just, you kicked me so hard because you were running quickly. In that case, that wouldn't be, you didn't intend to harm me. Um, And then, you know, on the other side, did you intend to harm me? If the answer is yes, why? If it was totally unprovoked, what the hell? Why, (laughs) you know, like why? that something something is wrong there and that kind of behavior shouldn't happen you shouldn't harm people obviously you know i like i don't need to tell the point this this isn't me <laughs> yeah i like this that's bad that is bad behavior and we assume that there is a con- there is a free mind deciding to kick me in the shins right but then like what does which part of you is guilty um and this this is where this is where the question of moral responsibility is so challenging to answer because I believe there is a self or an element of the self that exists in addition to the illusion of free will. So we have the illusion of free will, whatever, all of the things happening in our brain which we have no control over, and then it filters into this conscious experience, right? And then there is some kind of lens or something, which is me. And that lens is my, that lens is the thing that allows me to decide whether or not I'm going to do something. So like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this, I, I just, I don't like, and maybe this isn't true all of the time, because if you've been socialized to believe that, you know, like people think about, think about, um, people who are raised to believe a particular thing about the world. So let's say that people, uh, people who are indoctrinated with really radical political views, um, let's say extremists, extremist political views, either on the left or on the right. Um, they, I, at least like, you know, if, if that's the household that they've been raised in, it's going to be difficult for them to conceive of a different world. Right. Because and I guess um, one one thing that is problematic about racism, at least one thing that I believe is problematic about it is that many people who are racist probably don't haven't many people who are racist probably actually haven't seen um, a harmonious multiracial society. Um, Maybe they live in monoracial or by yeah monoracial areas i don't even know if that's a term but i guess you know what i mean like there's one 
like Anglo white or something. Um, and then they're like, oh, everyone else is a threat because this is the only thing that I know that functions properly. But like you come into Melbourne's inner north um, and you see, you go on Sydney Road or you go on Brunswick Street and you see a lot of hipsters, but you also see you know, people from all over the place. There's me, Macedonian, Algerian. There are like, you know, friends I have who are from different parts of Asia, friends I have who are from different parts of Africa. There are all of these different kinds of people existing at the same time in the same place in a way that's harmonious, right? And so I guess your free will is your freedom to actually conceive of a different way of behaving is informed by the experiences that you've had. So it's almost as if, at least this is what I believe, it's almost as if your free will is con- is contingent on you being exposed to a lot. Because the more you've been exposed to, the more you have as some, as the more like, the more supplies you have to draw on when trying to construct an image of the world that you want to live in. So yeah, like I guess it almost sounds unreasonable for the for someone who's only lived in you know a very small i guess you know the news and like social media has really changed this like people really have access if they look hard enough to any part of the world um i guess parts of the world any part of the world that's connected to the internet somehow um either yeah any part of the world that's connected to the internet um but like uh, yeah some people I guess some people are just, some people are less free than others. Um, at least that's what it sounds like. My argument, that's, that's the direction it sounds like it's heading in. Um, and that, I don't know that like, <laughs> I'm sitting here now feeling like kind of uncomfortable about that conclusion because, um, yeah, one thing that I care, if you know me personally, or if you've, I don't know, listen to watch any of my stuff, listen to or watch any of my stuff, you'll know that like one thing I care about a lot is the freedom of people um, and the capacity to express yourself. Um, and, you know, if if it, if it is the case that people, maybe that's just a wrong conclusion then, that people are, some people are less free. Some people have less free will than others. Um, but I mean, it makes sense, right? How can you, how can you, I guess you would just have less evidence if you wanted to construct an image of a world and you'd only seen one particular world everything else would be fantasy right um or everything else would be less trustworthy because you hadn't seen it or experienced it functioning um so yeah that that's like that's a weird thing about so that self right the thing i kind of gave you three layers i said there's like the unconscious self which is productive of, that's the first layer, the subconscious, unconscious, whatever, the things that we don't have conscious control over. Then there's the second layer, which is the illusion of free will, the thing that informs our consciousness. And then there is me acting in the world. And in between, which is the third layer. And in between the second and the third layer, I believe there is something else that exists, which is, kind of like, which is me. And I am the thing that has the final say about some things, not everything, 
like, as I said before, like, I don't know. I don't have the final say about many of my preferences. Um, I don't have, the, I like banana and like, that's just the way it is. And like, I don't know. I'm kind of happy about it. Um, yeah. And, and like, okay, th that's it. Maybe, maybe that's my argument. Um, that like, there are three layers. Free will doesn't exist, really doesn't exist at the first doesn't really exist at the second because it's an illusion but at the third layer there is a kind of capacity to grab things and like rattle them and think about them and ask yourself like is this actually what i want to do so like the reason why we hold people responsible for doing bad things is because presumably they've had the opportunity to rattle their decision and you know think about it is this actually do i want to kick alex desperately hard in the shins um for no reason if your answer is yes you made <laughs> you made a poor decision um because you harmed me but also because um you acted in a way and this is where like this is where Kant is very interesting because Kant has his kind of I'll do an episode on this a video episode later in down the track but Kant's ethics um he has these things called the, ca the categorical imperatives, which are these like self-evident truths about the world. Like don't behave towards others in a way that you wouldn't want them to behave towards you. Um, that's paraphrasing one of them. And so I guess, yeah, like do we want everyone kicking each other in the shins? No, because like we're not going to be able to walk. Um, everyone's going to have like shattered shins in like a few hours and you'll have to wear shin guards in public and stuff. Um, and, you know, instead of people buying toilet paper during a pandemic, they'll be going to sport shops and buying shin guards and shit. Um, yeah. So, okay, maybe that's like, maybe that's where I'll, I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not finished. Um, but maybe that's where I'll just kind of leave that for now. So like, Free will exists in that self that makes decisions um, that that has like the final say on not all decisions, but, you know, big, pretty big decisions. Um, and one of those things is our morality, right? So when we hold people morally accountable, it's because we assume, as I said before, they've had the capacity to rattle their final decision and actually decide whether or not that's something I want to act on. We're not just like these impulsive things. Like, I don't just think something like, you know, you have an intrusive thought like, here we go. This is actually, I don't know, maybe I've just like answered the question free will. You have an intrusive thought, right? Like, um, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I just like, you know, like, like headbutted the microphone as hard as I can. Like that was just, that was one. Oh, well, that wasn't really intrusive, but that was just like, um, a thought that I had. So like I headbutt the microphone, ah, I headbutt really hard. And then I think about the consequences. I have a sore head make a bad sound into the microphone for this podcast um and also i don't know it will damage the microphone i don't want the microphone damaged because i use it to make this podcast um i don't know i like to think of myself as someone who has a degree of who has like i don't know pretty good control over their like behavior and i wouldn't want to feel that would kind of conflict with the image of who i am of, of who i think of who i think i am um so yeah, a number of reasons, right? And then I decide not to do it. Um, I believe I was I was free to make that decision, right? And then here, here's the weird thing. So 
If I go back in time to the point at which I decided not to headbutt the microphone, could I have done otherwise? Or if the world was precisely as it was, could it have been generative of a different outcome? That's a very strange question because my brain should have been exactly the same. There shouldn't have been anything else happening in there. There shouldn't have been. There should have been it should have been identical. And at the moment, I am pretty convinced that the brain is generative. If you take a brain... Sc- okay, so like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what... I don't know. I guess what I was what I was thinking... The question that I was thinking about was, is like... Um, is a brain scan... Like, is it possible for a brain scan to tell us exactly how someone is going to behave. And I guess that study with like 80%, you know, predictability or whatever suggests that yes, it is possible. You can kind of read things off a brain scan and see how people are going to behave. Um, but like really that's, I don't know, that's an aside. Um, the main the main question here now is like, if we go back in time, could I have dif- acted differently? Um, I don't see how the answer could be yes, but I don't think that means that I was predetermined that my 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 free will is jeopardized or that that thing after the third layer i don't believe that that is jeopardized um i don't think that means that that doesn't exist it just means that at that point um i was going i would have been oh my okay maybe i just but uh, see, the, then this is kind of fatalistic, right? Because then, then like you can say, okay, the world, and then that that is kind of a deterministic argument. Like the world, like you, I was always going to behave that way. I was always going to act that way because the the total sum of the inputs into my brain or whatever was going to be generative of a certain outcome. Um, and I don't know. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that like that that is all but i don't know like i don't know whether i don't know whether that's a fair thing to reject maybe that's just like but yeah i don't know maybe it doesn't seem like there is any scientific proof of the third layer that i'm talking about and many people have tried to like um yeah i guess many people who look at free will both in cognitive science and in philosophy have tried to isolate that third that third layer the free self um but it doesn't seem like it's reduced to neurons it seems like it's the product of neurons and i guess maybe that means that it's something like metaphysical intangible it's not something that can be answered by the scientific method it's not something that, that can be grasped by the scientific method. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, essentially, I don't know. Let, like, actually, let me know what you think. That'd be that'd be a good like either if you're on YouTube watching, like comment below and let me know what you think about that question. Like if we go back in time. Are we always going to have behaved in the same way? Because our brain, it doesn't make sense for our brains to have been configured differently. 
It just, it just doesn't. The brain is the sum of its inputs. Or the brain, it doesn't make sense for me to receive the same stimuli in the exact same environmental circumstances and have two different brain states. I don't, I don't see how that makes sense. Um, at least that doesn't make sense to me. I said the same thing twice. Um, but yeah, leave a comment on YouTube or like, I don't know, message me on Instagram or send me an email or something. But that is, that is a question that I want to think about. Um, so please, please, like if you're going to contact me ever, contact me about that. Um, okay. And then there's something else that I'm just going to hint at. And I'm going to talk about that in another episode. But briefly, it seems like there is a difference between thinking about free will when you consider something that's going to happen sooner rather than later. So it seems like if I'm going to make a decision about something right now, like a choice between A and B, two things that are, you know, binary, um, not very complex. Maybe it's just reliant on my preferences. Maybe it makes sense to say that I don't have much freedom of that. But what if I'm thinking about something way, 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 way in the future? Like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I sit down and really there are, there are so many options. Um, and that's a real, well, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like there are many options. Maybe I'm like deluded, but, um, it's a real privilege to be able to, or to think that I, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. Do I study? Do I not study? Great. Two options. So really I don't, I'm not deluded. I just, I mean, I am deluded. I have no options. I have two options. Um, yeah. But like, you know, when you think about things way, way, way in the future where there are so many different things, like, you know, what's my health going to be like? What are my financial circumstances going to be like? What's the world going to be like? Is there going to be another pandemic? I don't know who's going to be the prime minister. The humanity is going to have no funding left, whatever. Like there are all of these things that could influence my decision-making. Um, and uh, therefore I don't think, I don't think that one, I don't think that I could come to a fine, to a conclusion that I could be certain of now. Um, because there's just too much that's subject to change. And in that sense, in that sense, I guess I'm free. It feels like I'm free to just kind of navigate the space, but it doesn't feel like I'm free to make a decision because I don't even want to make a decision about what I'm going to do in 10 years time, because that doesn't sound like a very intelligent thing to do. Um, and I probably can't like any decision I make probably just isn't going to happen. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's everything that I wanted to say. Um, so if you watched, thanks for watching. If you listen, thanks for listening. Um, as usual, if you enjoyed this, I don't know, subscribe on YouTube, tell a friend, review it on iTunes. Um, or if you want to be really cool, support me on Patreon because, um, yeah, that that's really that would be really helpful um to continue making this kind of stuff because yeah i guess this isn't me morally blackmailing you this is me being morally transparent but it is a big time investment um and you know i yeah time and money investment for me equipment energy resources whatever anyway you know but I think we need to, I think society, including me, needs to change their relationship to patronage. And I'm not saying that out of self-interest. Um, 
I think people need to be more willing. People need to be less comfortable free riding on things. Unless, and of course, I never want to make this podcast something that people don't can never have access to because they can't afford it. And that's why everything is free so far. Um, but, you know, I ask people who are enjoying it, please take a moment, reflect. Is it in your capacity to support it financially? Anyway, um, that's all. Goodbye. Have a nice, have a nice life.